0: Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a safe place for leading with your heart. Hey, thanks for being here. You, Me, Empathy is the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective, a collaborative mental health community designed to empower each of us to grow our capacity for empathy, vulnerability, and emotional wayfinding. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is for educational, and entertainment purposes only, and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known is just a silly boy with a feely heart. You can support the show by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, following us on social media at Yumi Empathy and Feely Human, and joining the Feely Human Collective community at FeelyHuman.co. And now, your host, Known Wells.
1: Hello, feely humans. Welcome to another episode of You, Me, Empathy. My name is Noan Wells. I am the creator of this podcast. I'm also the founder of the Feely Human Collective, where we, yes, we, together grow our capacity for empathy, vulnerability, and emotional curiosity. Go to feelyhuman.co to learn more about that. This episode is 2.26 226 on The Quiet House, The Curious Observer, and Mike Bender. Mike is an author. He is the co founder of Awkward Family Photos. He is the partner to Suchin Pak. If you remember that episode with Suchin and Kulap of Add the Cart, a wonderful podcast and a wonderful episode I had with them. This episode is also wonderful. Mike and I talk about his new picture book. The end is just the beginning, which is about the opportunity in endings. We talk about the new Kickstarter that he has going out right now. Mike uh, is funding a uh, crowdfunding a book called "The Kid, the Troll, the Wolf, and the Hearse." Uh, I supported this Kickstarter. I think you should too. It's wonderful. Check it out. Uh, the link is in the show notes for this episode. And we talk about Mike's experience with mast cell activation syndrome and uh, Lyme disease and a a string of mysterious illnesses that that led to him building a quiet house that really was his attempt to save his life from all of this mystery. Um, And it's fascinating. We don't get into it much, into a ton of depth, because, in fact, talking about it is still triggering and hard for Mike. And so we talked a lot about his creative efforts. But I highly recommend you check out The Quiet House. It's a, an article Mike wrote on uh, menshealth.com. And I link to it in the show notes for this episode at feelthehuman.co. Highly recommend that. I'd actually read that before you listen to my chat with Mike. I would do that. But I, I really love this chat. Really appreciate Mike. Uh, I think you will love it as well. Couple of, a couple of uh, things up top before we get to the episode. One, you're hearing this two weeks after the last episode, which is intentional. If you did listen to the last episode, you'll know that episodes of this podcast, my conversations with feely humans like Mike, will be happening every two weeks instead of every week. I'm doing this to honor my energy, where I'm at, trying to pour more focus into Feely Human and growing that in the business leading more workshops, etc. And uh, in addition to that, as a sort of replacement or maybe add a bit more fun into my life, I'm doing a spin-off podcast called Movies That Make Us Feel, and that's only on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash human, it's five bucks a month to join and you'll get a bonus episode called Movies That Make Us Feel, where a guest and I do a deep dive. We re-watch or watch for the first time a movie, and we do a deep dive on it through the lens of feelings and empathy and all the cry, crying stuff that happens when I watch movies, certainly. And the first movie, and my first guest, the first movie is Turning Red with my guest Mindy Marzak. Uh, Mindy and I explore Turning Red, and uh, it was a blast and so much fun. And so if you want to listen to that, go to patreon.com slash human. Like I said, I will be doing one Movies That Make Us Feel per month. The next episode will be with my friend Jess Springle on Harriet the Spy. So look forward to that for the month of June. But patreon.com slash Human is where you get movies that make us feel. Thank you for the support. And if you want to support this podcast, you can always leave a rating and review wherever you listen. Please do that. I know that it's hard and I know that it's annoying sometimes to do it, to leave reviews, but I struggle with it myself for stuff I love so much and I have to remind myself. So with all the empathy in my heart, I know that it's hard and I also have faith in you (laughs) and I have hope that you will do it someday. So please leave a rating and review for Yumi Empathy. I appreciate it. And, uh... I guess a couple things to look out for in June. Another uh, Illustrating Empathy workshop. This one will be virtual, the one in June. So look out for that. The next Feely Hikes for June, uh, the date is TBD, but I will be announcing that very soon. And the last thing I'll say is two things. The last two things I'll say are, one... Thank you to everyone for all of the support for the uh, the dear childhood me journal sale. That was it went great. My goal was to sell a hundred. I sold one hundred and eighty. I feel I feel good about that. It went well. I'm very proud of it. The pre sale is done, but I am exploring the opportunity to sell them at wholesale to businesses, to therapy groups, to organizations. So, if you're connected to a business that could use something like that, or an organization just please reach out to me, hello at feelyhuman.co, or you can go to dearchildhoodme.com to learn more. And the last thing, on that same note, I mentioned before the fact that this podcast is only every two weeks now, um, creating more space to try to grow Feely Human into what I want it to be. And one of those ways is to really get uncomfortable with trying to market myself and trying to reach out to organizations and businesses to do more empathy programming, empathy workshops and things of that sort in businesses and colleges and schools, etc. So, if you work for a place uh, especially if it's like Southern California, even if it's not, I can do stuff virtual. Uh, reach out. I am I, I am very good at it, I think. I'm very good at leading and holding space for hard stuff and talking about empathy in context of work, talking about empathy in context of vulnerability and connection and feelings. So if that's something you're interested in too, please reach out. Hello at feelyhuman.co is the email address for that. Okay, let's get to the episode, shall we? Enough of, my, enough of my blathering on. Let's get to this wonderful conversation with the truly wonderful Mike Bender, The Quiet House, The Curious Observer, and Mike Bender, which kind of feels like, I don't know, Clue, the game? The Quiet House. Mike Bender was in The Quiet House with The Curious Observer and The Lantern. Um, oh, sorry, that was terrible. Anyways, enjoy the episode. I love you. Bye.
0: La 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 You
1: Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective. On this show, we explore the struggles, the triumphs, the brights and the darks we face as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly, without judgment, about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a brave place designed to inspire the beauty in each of us because each of us, in all of our kaleidoscopic parts, makes up a magical whole that deserves to be seen. Today, I'm a sensitive feely boy, here with New York Times bestselling author, co-founder of Awkward Family Photos, and definitely never, not ever too sensitive. It's Mike Bender. Hello, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh my gosh. So so grateful to have you. Let's, let's get into it. We start the show with an emotional check-in. How are you feeling?
2: Um uh emotionally, let's see. I am feeling like um, you know, uh a uh, uh, fairly calm today. Um, I feel that there's, you know, I, I've 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 come out of the last few weeks, which has been semi, semi turbulent, but today has been pretty calm. I can hear the birds outside, which is always a nice sound. I know when I'm listening to them, I'm in a good state of mind. So uh so yeah. I think, I think, I think all, all in all doing pretty well.
1: All right. All right. And it's okay. If you struggle too, I, I am personally like feeling I've had two, I've had a two month headache, uh, sinus headache. And it just, it's, it's wearing on me, Mike. It's just feeling like I, I don't just want to
2: burn it all down. A, <laughs> I don't know how a two month headache could not wear on you. you know? So I, I, I completely understand that and yeah i i mean i think i have some just like talking being on a podcast right now Mm. there's some uh nervousness my 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 limbic system is aware of that i can feel that um but as i'm sitting here with you i'm having a conversation with my own limbic system and just letting it know that it's okay it's okay we can talk so uh but i i i I appreciate that. And I appreciate the, uh, the honesty of where you're at.
1: Well, I think that's what we have to be for each other. Right. I I don't, I don't want to, I I think we, as humans, we put up armor. We, we carry armor because it protects us because it's what we've always known because it was our survival mechanism at some point. But I think as, as I've sort of grown into myself and have, learned through dealing with depression and anxiety and, and stuff like that. I, I want to show up in my wholeness and, and be seen in my wholeness. And that includes the hard bits too, right? Um, and I, I think doing that allows others in doing that allows the empathy to happen, right?
2: Absolutely. I think the challenge for me throughout my whole, this whole experience has been, being honest about where I'm at, but at the same time respecting the fact that when I talk about things, I am also reminding my own limbic system and sort of perpetuating a story. So mm. it's a very tricky balance at times. I've had to learn to really sort of like communicate things more in silence than um, than to talk about it. I come from a family. I'm Jewish. My family talks about everything, uh, what they're feeling, what's hurting, the pain. Like, that's just part of what I grew up knowing. I was conditioned to sort of like always communicate what's going wrong in my body at at any given time. And my mother's, you know, we'll, we'll get into a conversation within five seconds. She'll be telling you about something going on. So I've had to undo that to some degree because... It's not dishonest to not talk about it. I mean, you can be Mm -hmm. aware of something without talking about it, but does that make sense? I guess, you know, the idea idea of like, you have to be careful not to find yourself in a loop um, because those loops do just keep going round and round.
1: It totally makes sense, and I, I think that's where maybe toxic positivity can come in, or where uh, you know, just wanting to sort of like um, squeeze the, the the water from the rock, or whatever. You know, I think I right. think what is true uh, in what you're saying is certainly we tell ourselves stories about who we are, and. You know, a piece of who you are, Mike, is you experience something, you know, physical and you had this very visceral reaction, right? With Lyme disease, with mast cell activation, and you went through a physical and emotional trauma, right? And a part of that is a part of who you are. And it's not all of you, too, right? So, like when we tell ourselves or when we tell people on podcasts, when I tell people on podcasts, I have major depressive disorder. I want them to know that's a part of who I am and that that's that is informed things and I don't want to be there all the time. It's not all of me. Like I think you said at some point um, uh, where is it? I have I have a note here somewhere. But something along the lines of like this is this piece of me I have Lyme disease but it's not all of me, right? Like it's important. That's a, an important piece of it. When, well, I, I yeah. have
2: Lyme disease. Lyme disease doesn't have me. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: I, I do feel that way. I mean, these are, these are ultimately, these are just, these are just words and they mm. are, um, they're diagnoses and things. I, for a long time, I was very anti-diagnosis because I just hated the idea of just searching for this word to attach myself to.
1: Mm. Um, I felt like. Cause that becomes a box.
2: It does. And I feel like just sort of more focusing on imbalance is a healthier place to work from hmm. and necessarily getting bogged down in, in some, some, you know, word that was invented to describe this condition. And so that, yeah, I don't, to me, I've had some moments and I'm sure you've had this too known where like you're in so much pain, but then you really almost through the pain, you really feel who you are. Mm. um and it takes sometimes a really painful experience to get there but i've gotten closer i think through this whole experience to who i am really meant to be um as a result of it i don't think i would have i think i would have stayed much more on the surface had this not happened to me Mm. So in some ways i'm grateful for the experience i'm not grateful for the uncomfortable physical nature of it but um but the but who I am has nothing to do with Lyme or mast cell or any of these physical conditions, um, but it is a, it is a condition that I have to I have to deal with at the moment, yeah. and so I don't know. That's that's just like that. Those are the things that have come to me and some of like I said, when you're having those really painful moments, you don't know if you're going to be able to keep going, mm. and those are times that you really really start to understand like who you are, how strong you are,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, how, how much you, you yearn for joy. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> like I said, when I listen to the birds, it sounds kind of cliche, but I know when my ears and my senses are picking that up, that I'm in a calm place because mm-hmm. if I'm not in a calm place, I'm not going to hear that. Mm. So yeah. I don't know. I just said a lot of different things, but hopefully, hopefully, there was some sense. Yeah, of
1: tons of sense, and and I, I I empathize in a lot of ways. So I what I feel is a lot of things, and a couple of things that I'm taking away from what you're saying is is one. Certainly, I, I I've had some weird like physical ailments in my life, and part of this sort of Two month headache is this experience of having very very severe allergies my whole life and when I met my my partner Jessica I it was so bad I would like have these weird uh, hot flashes and I would have to like dip my head like dunk my head into like ice baths and and now I'm forty and apparently it's headaches and what does that look like and I've had a lot of weird things happen and I'm getting to the point of where maybe we can relate. Going to doctors and feeling like there's no answers to be had, and feeling let down, and feeling let down by my own body, and feeling frustrated by my own body, and losing even trust in my own body, and even getting to the point where I'm hating my own body, right? And there's a piece of that that I've had to let go and allow and 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 understand that like finding answers, yes, can be maybe a limitation, and it's also knowledge, and it's potentially a path toward some answers, which we all deserve, which is the joy of your, like, you seeking answers and you finding all these specialists to come to your home, like, that is hard, it's fucking hard, and it's care, and it's joy, and it's love for yourself.
2: I think, yeah, I think when you're plugged into your own intuition and you can find those answers that way, then it's rewarding. Hmm. Um, you said some things, though, that resonated for me. And like, you know, when you when you are frustrated with your own body, you're you're kind of. You're at war with yourself and, and it's hard to be in a healing mode if you are feeling yeah. that way. Yeah. Like that constant and I have to do this all the time, reminding myself, my body is communicating with me in a way it's trying to help me. Those headaches are a communication to you saying, hey, hey, here's there's something going on. Let's look into this. Let's change something. Let's shift something. So those are important distinctions. They're small distinctions, but to be able to make that shift, it really does. Now you're working with your body as opposed to fighting it and i i felt that way through my experience which was just like man there were days where i wanted to just shed this body believe me yeah get rid of it but it was communicating to me and everyone else was telling me all these confusing things but you know i had to, i had to get to a place where i was like i got to just i have to listen here it, it, mm-hmm. it is telling me something and i know it's not just bogus and crazy what i'm feeling so I think it's important to plug into that intuition that you have and use that as your guide as you search for answers. Yeah. Answers are very satisfying. Mm. So I I think that that is a process that's important to,
1: to do. It is. And I would say, and I wonder if this speaks to like who you are now, it's that listening and that curiosity and that, Maybe even slowing down to pause for some of the nuance we're missing that is a tremendous life skill for relationship building, for empathy, for all of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. How is that? I mean, you know, since going through this experience, and where you are now, how has that shown up for you in terms of your ability to listen and be curious in your day-to-day life?
2: I mean, it's with me every single day.
1: Yeah.
2: I Like I said, I have this constant exercise of just when I start to feel that rise within myself, which is, you know, we, we can identify as anxiety, um, constantly trying to slow shift. It's, it's, it's a ongoing process that never ends for me. Uh, I mean, even as we're talking, right? Like you're saying a lot of things, it's triggering my limbic system. I can feel that my body's mm-hmm. reacting. It's, I can get into this. Like, I love this expression. And I don't know Nona, if you've heard this, the curious observer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh one of my favorite expressions that I've learned in the last three years. It's this idea of like, you're observing your own body, but you can kind of step out of it and you can be curious and be like, Oh, that's interesting that that just triggered me. That's again, these are subtle shifts, but man, it makes a huge difference. And as you and I are talking and I can feel that again, I'm just like, I'm going to stare at this tree or this hedge outside and I'm just looking at the leaves, kind of moving slowly in the in the breeze, and that that kind of it 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 just allows gives my body a second to just come back to some sort of calm and balance. It, mm. it rebalances it. So while it's not always the tree, um, it can be my own breathing. It could be a lot of different things. I think that that process and involves a lot of slowing down
1: mm-hmm.
2: is happening all the time.
1: Yeah. May I ask you this? Is there in this moment right now a topic of conversation between you and I as humans that would not trigger you?
2: Sure. Um, I think that talking about Anything outside of health Mm -hmm. is going to is going to fire different parts of my brain that aren't going to send the alert or the signal back to that that reptilian part of my brain. So so yeah, you know, when I'm talking about creative things, when I'm talking about projects that I'm working on, stories, it's a completely different feeling, right, than discussing health. Cause I'm still in it. Yeah. I think when you're, when you've moved beyond it, you've healed, um, you can talk about it and have a distance to your own story or what was your story,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but I'm still negotiating that. I'm still in it. I'm still having my struggles um, and I'm still healing. So, you know, as a result of the article, it's kind of interesting because I, I heard from so many people, hundreds of people and everybody wants to share their story. And I, and, and my, and my, my, you can't my, take my, it. Well, my, my, the empathy in me wants to read all these stories, but yeah. when I start to do it, I feel terrible.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so it's a real, like I said, it's a tricky balance trying to be a caring Uh, person and want to want to share with people and and hear their stories but at the same time knowing that that's not that's not a good thing for me right now
1: yes yeah i really appreciate that i think it's a crucial part of what empathy is and it has to start with self it has to start with where you're at and honoring where you're at and and uh, where you're at now is it's still, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and traumatize you, Mike. Um, that, that feels, <laughs> that feels, that feels hard for me. Right. So let's, let's transition into maybe some quote unquote lighter things like books you're writing. I know you, you have a picture book that came out, uh, I guess yeah. last year, the end is just the beginning, which yes, I haven't read, but I, I do want to pick up and it, and that, that, the idea of it, um, I know, probably stem from your experience with what you've been going through. But like, it's it's such a beautiful, you know, in just reading some of your Instagram posts about the project, about the book. What a beautiful reminder for for kids to because you know uh, humans, especially kids, we just get stuck. We get stuck. We we think. We experience a thing, and we think it's going to be forever, right? Uh, a pan- the pandemic is is one piece of that, right? Like, we, we're experiencing a thing, and then this we feel maybe this is this is the normal. This is what we have now. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain, like, acceptance to that, but there, there's also a certain, like, putting up walls to that, too. That can be hard. So, tell yeah. me a l- little bit about the book and, and yeah. what the experience has been with that.
2: Yeah, I think we've lived very, very, well, we've lived through many ends and beginnings in this, uh, this pandemic. Um, I wrote the book because at that time I was struggling and my kids were sort of seeing me unable to do certain things. And so I want, and, and also just, you know, seeing, having young kids Kids naturally mourn endings. Mm. I, don't, I don't know why that is, but right. We, we do. We, it's the end of the night. It's the end of the game. It's the end of dessert. Like, no, that sucks. <laughs> the I don't end want of dessert. End. <laughs>
1: uh, I love that. Right?
2: You don't want it to end. so I thought it's an interesting exercise. And my brain always tends to flip things to sort of say, well, what about creating something that really celebrates endings, that makes you excited about an ending, that makes mm. you um look at endings as not final but transformational. And if you can make that shift for for a child, well, then it becomes a whole entirely different experience because you know that as something ends, there's there's something that's been learned or there's some there's some new experience that's right around the corner. Yeah and um, and I hadn't seen anything like that you know, out there. And so I thought this is, this is a fun challenge to try and write a book. Um, that, that, that is all about this. It's all about endings as being something that we, we celebrate and look forward to. So that was a jumping off point. And when I write these books, I mean, I've been a part of a lot of different types of projects, movies, and, um, book projects over the years, like this is the most satisfying. Mm. Uh, It's not about money. It's not about ego. Um, It's truly an opportunity to just pour myself into a book and express something that I hope uh, shifts the perspective in a child's mind. And so um, so I, I love it. I love it so much and if i could just do the children's books all the time i would Mm -hmm. um and so that that book is is very uh near and dear to my heart and um and i've i've heard from so many people you know who have read it some people are adults who have read it who might be going through an experience or somebody passed away and i think it can resonate on so many levels it can resonate just on a daily level like end of dessert but it could also be you know, something like the end of a life and what does that mean and how are there beginnings after that? So
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, so it's super special. And um I I the one really positive thing that's come out of this whole experience is just people more people becoming aware of of that book. And um, you know, I think about children too going through some of the things I'm going through. It's like one thing to go through it as an adult, but there yeah. are children that have Lyme and deal with this stuff. And it's like, yeah. whew, that's,
1: that's heavy. That's heavy. How have your kids uh, experienced the book? What have their been, their reaction to it?
2: I mean, they, they're kind of with me for the whole journey with every book. And mm-hmm. so like, they know it by the time it comes out. Cause a book, you know, a children's book takes on average, it could take two years from the time you write the manuscript, it's quite a long process. So they live with it for a long time. I read them the manuscripts, even when I'm just starting just to get their feedback. So I think, you know, when it comes out, I think it's exciting. My daughter's kind of more art artistic and loves illustration. So I think it's fun for her to just see a project culminate, come to like actually happen. Um, but I don't know. You'd almost have to ask them. I mean, they've, <laughs> they've, they've lived through this whole experience watching me. And I think some of it's been very painful. And yeah. a lot of it, though, has really made them grow in ways that I don't think a kid would ever have grown if they weren't going through the experience. And we mm-hmm. talk about empathy. Uh, my son, from a very early age, is just incredibly empathetic um always knows kind of where I'm at will give me like a head rub or a back scratch sometimes when I don't even have to say anything mm. um so that's very special I've, I always tell him how special that superpower is that he has and um so I don't know you know I think so many good I think so many good things have come from it to be honest yeah. and um the 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 book that's coming out next, um, that I'm also doing same, with the same publisher at Random House, is called uh, Bored Panda. Hmm. And similarly, I looked at, you know, I observed children, and boredom is something I'm bored, I'm so bored. Um, my attitude towards boredom is that's kind of awesome. You're bored. Where is that going to take you? Because if you think about it, boredom is the ultimate window into creativity. If you're not bored, you're not going to start searching. And sometimes boredom, we find the coolest stuff. You know, you find great music or great art through boredom. And so the book is about a panda. It's kind of like Uncurious George, um, (laughs) who's not curious about anything. But through, through that lack of curiosity and boredom ends up discovering things and realizing that maybe the, the cure to boredom, if you will, is being bored itself. Uh, So it's kind of a little bit like, again, the end is just, you know, you could see a pattern, I think, as I look at some of the things that I get myself involved with, but, um, but I like it. I like, I like, I just like the process of kind of flipping something.
1: Yeah. There's a there's a beauty in like taking something that is such a shared universal common human experience like an end like a beginning like boredom. Yeah. And and mining that for all its beautiful nuance, right? Because there is so much nuance in all of these things. Uh if only we humans can be that curious observer, if only we can take time to to explore, right?
2: Yeah, oh man. I that like that if I could write a book called The Curious Observer, which I'm not going to, but if I could, that would be the name that would be the name of the book, but yeah, I just love that expression so much. Um but yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's I think kind of always looking at the world that way and you know I have a project right now that's that's right now up as a Kickstarter not everything I do is sing songy and happy. Um, this this book I wrote during during the uh the lockdown, the COVID lockdown, and I and I was feeling like everybody, like trying to be positive, but also kind of cynical. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, God, I'm pushing that cynical side down so much just because I, I don't want to show that to people that I'm you know, I want to stay positive. Sure. But then I thought why not let that side come out and just have free reign for a little bit? Mm -hmm. What will happen if I let that side play, uh, you know, just play. And so I had gotten, I had gifted a copy of the boy, the mole, um, the fox, and the horse. Did you read that
1: book? I didn't. I didn't, but I did, I did just this morning support the Kickstarter.
2: Hey, no, thank you. You're, you're welcome. appreciate that. Um, Well, that book was like massive, right? It was like an international bestseller. And I think it moved people during a time when people needed to be moved. It has kind of a Winnie the Pooh simplicity, beautiful simplicity to it and beautiful messages. And I think with parody and I'm a student of parody, you have to love something to parody. You have to respect it, to truly parody something. You really have to respect it. I agree. And I totally respected this book, but I thought format wise, this is a great format to play with. And I wanted to write a version of it that just was like, remember bizarro Superman. Yeah. Like the bizarro Charlie Mathesy, the guy who wrote this book. um, I wanted to write a version with not from my perspective, but from someone's perspective. And that's where I created this Eddie ornery character who lives in the wettest and rainiest region of, uh, the UK and it's just never seen sun. And it's just so cynical and believes that constantly the world is ending. It's kind of an exaggeration of like all of us where we all mm. are. Mm. And um, man, it was fun. It was fun to do, to do that. It reminded me a bit of just when I was younger and kind of like being able to go a little bit more out there and a little bit more, a little edgier versus some of the stuff I'm doing now. So it was a fun diversion and I think all of us all of us need to you know we, we started this conversation talking about honesty with ourselves it's okay to be cynical
1: hmm. at
2: times yeah, we don't want to be that way all the time but it's okay to be cynical it's okay to let that come out it's okay to be depressed for a bit mm-hmm. it's okay to be anxious for a bit um we don't want to stay in these states, but I think that that resistance to these things sometimes creates more problems than just letting it be.
1: More suffering. Yeah, I agree. I love that. I'm excited about that project. And I I am a fan of Winnie the Pooh as well. Um, I think there's oh, something beautiful yeah, about it. Um, it's calming. It's a calming book.
2: So it, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Everything about Winnie the Pooh is calming. Mm. The images, the illustrations, the wording, the characters, it really is. And I I have a huge, I just bought like this huge volume of all the stories that sits by my bed. (laughs) Um, And I, that's for me, that's, that's like the thing I go to when I just want to read something. Like you talked about what doesn't set my brain off?
1: Winnie the Pooh. Um, there was a beeping on your side. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I know. I've got, you know, I've got the guy who's running the Kickstarter and he's, he's, he's sending me a blizzard of messages. I got to close my messages thing. Yeah. We're,
1: and we can wrap up. I know. I know. Um, hold on. I'm just going to quit it. Yeah. Okay.
2: I'm out of it yeah. now.
1: Awesome. Um, well, Mike, I appreciate you and I, I, I appreciate. I appreciate your vulnerability and your courage to be open about some of this stuff, to be open about some of these physical health stuff that you went through. It's hard to do that. And I think it allows others in and I hope you can find, um, some more answers, some more healing, some more peace in your body and your heart down the road. Um, So, let's talk about empathy heroes. This is kind of the part of the show where we kind of wrap up, where my guests and I each mention someone in our lives, or even a character from a story, like Winnie the Pooh, (laughs) uh, who is one of our empathy heroes. And I will go first to give you a moment to reflect. My empathy hero this week is uh, our new rescue puppy, Ripley. So, Ripley is uh, at all... Parts in all moments a monster and wonderful and i want to tear my hair out and <laughs> i'm like seemingly finding that she likes to just spray diarrhea all over the backyard and i'm like mm-hmm. watering down rocks so it goes into the earth and i'm cleaning up barf and i'm it's, it's a lot, and it's pure joy, and she keeps me on my toes, and she humbles me. Uh, so Ripley is my empathy hero this week.
2: <laughs> well, I, uh, I appreciate Ripley, and, <laughs> um, and I've, having had a dog, I, I can empathize with you. <laughs> um, I think, I've, I mean, I'm going to be repeating a little bit, but I think my empathy hero has to be my son. Mm. Um, his name is Kai, uh, which was, he was named after the ocean. My wife and I was one of those names. We just knew right away. It's a calmness for me about the ocean Mm -hmm. where I go. I'm lucky enough to live near it. It's where I go when I feel the worst. I know there's one place I'm always going to feel calm. It's the ocean. And that's, that's my son. Uh, So I don't, you know, sit with him and tell him everything that's going on with me because he's a kid. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, that's not, that's not the purpose of it, but sometimes it can be just a hug. Sometimes it can be, like I said, a head scratch or a back rub or something like that. And I think those moments are so immensely and incredibly healing for me. Mm. I also realized in those moments, the power of touch as humans, I've had some of the worst panic attacks over the years. And the one thing, you know, when somebody kind of rubbed your back immediately, you could feel the nervous system calm. It's incredible. Yeah. It's that. And so I just think he he knows it instinct instinctually that that's going to feel good and um so for me he's 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 beyond a hero to me and uh, he has helped me work through many difficult moments so Kai I raise my uh, my glass of empathy to you <laughs> today
1: I love it that's beautiful um thank you for sharing that yes so you're letting me, yeah, of course. So Mike, where, where can, uh, people connect with you, obviously read your yeah. books, support yeah. the Kickstarter, all that stuff.
2: Yeah. So, um, I don't know when this will air because right now we're, uh, we're, we're Friday, May 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, the Kickstarter is started yesterday and is gone for two weeks. Okay. So, uh I don't think I can do my math that fast, but I think it's the 26th of May that it will end. Okay. Um and it's actually called the Tinto Press 2022 Tinto Press is a friend of mine who's a like a publisher he does comic books and all kinds of really cool things. Um and he does a Kickstarter every year for some books. The other book that's in the Kickstarter is by this guy Dennis Kitchen, who's like a legendary Marvel uh comic book artist. Um and so there's there's some other really cool stuff there, but that that my book, the kid, uh, the troll, the wolf, and the hearse is part <laughs> of that Kickstarter. And I hope people if uh, will will support it. You can always go to Tinto Press even after the Kickstarter, the book will be available. And then um, they can find me at uh, on Instagram at I am Mike Bender um, where I post when I can, I will say I am not someone that's on social media because I still have trouble with devices. So I kind of post when I have the strength to do it, but that's the best place to kind of check in. And then all the links are there to, uh, the various children's books. Um, but you know, the end is just the beginning as we discussed, I think for anyone who's dealing with a challenge or has a child that's dealing with a challenge. Uh, I think that's, a great tool to open up a conversation about um healing.
1: I love it. Well listeners, all those links will be in the show notes at feelyhuman.co. Mike, I appreciate the time and I appreciate you sharing being on the show.
2: Uh you know, I I appreciated it more than you know. And I didn't I got, you know, a lot of people extended themselves and said, do you want to come talk on the show and do this after the article. And I just had a feeling when you reached out. I didn't know Sujin, my wife, had been on your podcast prior to this. But um, it's funny. Some of those uh, uh, messages I just opened up because I just felt like I'm gonna, I- I'm gonna, I'm gonna be happy about opening this one up. So you mm-hmm. were one of those known, and um, I'm honored to have been on the podcast. So thank you again.
1: Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. I appreciate it. And to you, listeners, as I always say. I'm here you're here we're here together on this wayward overwhelming awe-inspiring pale blue dot we have each other it's you me empathy
0: la, la, la. La, la.